This is episode number 125 of the Homestead Journey podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. I'm actually recording this podcast much earlier in the week than I normally do. And that's because this coming weekend is Easter weekend. We have family coming into town. And so I am trying to get this done and in the can so that I have an episode to deliver on Monday. And so I'm going to jump right on over to this week's Homestead Happenings, which is going to be short and sweet and to the point, after which we're going to jump right into the final in our series of Raising Kids on the Homestead, which is an interview with my son, Brian Jr., as he talks about growing up on the homestead, the good, the bad, the ugly, lessons he's learned, the impact that it's had on his life. I hope you enjoyed. It was really fun chatting with him. So let's jump on over to this week's Homestead Happenings. On this week's Homestead Happenings, just a couple of things I wanted to highlight. The first thing I wanted to share with you is some exciting news. I don't remember if I shared this with you on the last episode or not, but as you may recall, we have some pigs over at Beardsley Zoo in Connecticut, and we had one pig farrow last weekend, I believe, and another one is due to farrow any day. So that's very, very exciting. There were five pigs from the first litter, so we'll see what the second litter brings. But if you haven't already, jump over on social media, Instagram or Facebook, and take a look at the Beardsley Zoo site. They have a really cute picture of one of the piglets who has a little pink dot in the middle of its nose. So cute. So check that out. But I'm so excited about that. It's such a privilege to be a part of that where we've had the opportunity to share some of their genetics back with them. Um, Beardsley Zoo for a while had a breeding program and actually my boar, Bear, is technically known as Beardsley Bear because he came from the last litter that was born there at the zoo before they had to retire their original breeding stock. And so for a little bit, they got out of the American guinea hog game, so to speak, And now they've done some renovations. They have a new barnyard area. And so we just have an opportunity to be a part of continuing that tradition. And that includes passing back to them some of their genetics. So it's just a privilege. It's an honor. Very, very exciting to be a part of that. And so I definitely wanted to share with you that good news. And once I know about the next litter, I will also share that with you. But you can also follow us on social media or follow Beardsley Zoo. And between both of those locations, you should be notified probably before I let anybody know on the podcast. So anyhow, check that all out. But very, very exciting news to share. The only other thing that I wanted to share with you is that this week really has been a week of me really trying to buckle down and focus on that word that I shared on last week's episode, and that is efficiency. So I've really been going through the garage, trying to sort, put things in order, 
all of those things that my buddy who moved to California gave to me. I've really been trying to go through that and be brutally honest with myself. There's some things that I'm just never going to use. And so I've been pitching some stuff. I've been sorting some stuff. I've been moving some stuff around and it's starting to look nice. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. A lot more work left to do, but I have been trying to dedicate some time each evening in that endeavor. And so, folks, for me, it's always going to be a growing edge. That's something that I absolutely hate to do. I know there's some people that they thrive on that. They love to sort things out and set things in place and put things in order. And that's just their gift. I don't have that gene. (laughs) I can find a thousand and one things that I should be doing that I'd rather be doing than doing that. And so this has really been a matter of me grabbing myself by the back of the head and saying, Brian, you're going to do this because it needs to get done, whether you want to get it done or not. The last thing I wanted to share with you is that it is starting to warm up here in beautiful upstate New York. I don't want to say this too loudly because I think it's supposed to get a little chilly this weekend, but we hit over 80 degrees uh, in our area today. And I read somewhere that it was the first time in Albany, New York, that we have been above 80 degrees in five years. That blew me away. That really blew me away. But that's what they're saying. The people that keep those records are saying it's the first time in five years that we have actually been above 80 degrees at all in the capital district. So I don't know what that means for the summer. I don't know what that means for anything. All I know is it does feel nice for it to warm up and we'll just see, man, spring (laughs) it's sprung, but then it gets cold. It's just been weird. It's been weird. It's been weird, but anyhow, that's where we're at folks. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in to this week's Homestead Happenings. Let's jump right on over to this week's Charting the Course. I am so excited to have back with me here on the podcast, my son, Brian Jr. It's been a bit. I didn't really go back through and look how many episodes ago it was, but he's joined me for some chicken episodes in the past, but it has been a little bit since he has joined me here on the podcast. And so it was a lot of fun to get his perspective on homesteading, what it's meant to him, how it's impacted his life. And what I want to share with you before we jump into this interview is I do not believe that he listens to the podcast on a weekly basis. This is not really his jam. And I certainly did not coach him in any of these answers. And you will, as you listen to this interview, you will find out that there are some areas where he disagrees with my assessment on some things. And that's fine. This was about getting his perspective as a teenager on this whole homesteading thing. But it was very, very interesting to me, and I don't want to break my arm here, pat myself on the back, (laughs) but it did warm my heart that he has picked up on some of those underlying principles and some of those underlying 
um, thoughts that I have with regards uh, to homesteading. And that just really did make me happy. So anyhow, with all of that said, I, I am so thankful that he was willing to join me here on the podcast. It was a very, very busy week for him. When we did record this, it was actually the week leading up to prom. I think we recorded it the night before prom, but it might've helped him maybe take his mind off of prom. I don't know. But anyhow, it was a lot of fun to chat with him. I hope you enjoy it. So let's go. So Bud, welcome back to the show. Hello. It's good to be back. You can act at least a little more enthusiastic. I'm exhausted. Look at the bags under my eyes. Well, I am so glad to have Brian back here on the podcast. And thank you, Bobo, so much for um, agreeing to be a part of this. It's been a couple of years since you last joined me here on the podcast. And so very, very excited to chat with you. And really just to talk through some of the positives and the negatives of your experience of uh, growing up on a homestead. So um, let's kind of start really back at the beginning. We started out down at Papa's and that really was your introduction into being around chickens and raising and growing food and those kinds of things. And so just share with us a little bit about your early memories of, of this. Well, I remember um, more specifically, I, it wasn't a central part of like my early upbringing, but I do remember that planting season was, it was a, was a big deal and that I definitely enjoyed a lot of the fresh fruits and vegetables that we had. The chickens weren't that prominent in my life yet. They were just the, the irritating things that would peck me, you know, but um, I definitely remember it used to be a, a, a big center for family events. I remember my great grandfather and y'all, whoops, that sounds Southern, you guys, where um would be out there shucking corn for hours at a time. I looked at that, I thought, oh God, I hope I never have to do that. But well, looks like I'm kind of been drawn in a little bit. But um that's kind of what my early experiences were. It was just kind of, you know, seeing how other people kind of interacted with it. It wasn't like a it wasn't a central thing what we did. We didn't solely depend off of it. It was kind of more of like a I don't want to say a side thing. It really was more than just that, but I mean, we would still go to the store and stuff. And that was kind of my first exposure with it. And, yeah. And I mean, to say that we're a hundred percent self-sufficient, we aren't. And, uh, and we've, we, we never will be. And I've talked about that before on the podcast. I mean, our goal is to try to take steps in that direction. It's a journey in that regard, but uh, certainly I would say that we are more self-sufficient, more self-reliant, um, today than we were back when we lived at Papa's, you know, 14 definitely. years ago. There's definitely a better variety of what we're doing. We're yeah. diverse. Yeah, definitely. A lot, lot more diversity up here. Even though when we, when we were down at Papa's, we had that large in-ground garden space. Mm -hmm. And when we left, when we sold that and we lost access to that, I really, I really never thought we'd, we'd do what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, but especially with our soil. Yeah. Rocky stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, um, share with me some of maybe your first memories of, uh, you know, you said about chucking corn and so forth, but what are some other things that you remember? Um, because again, we, we lived with Papa for what, 18 months, you were two or three at the time, mm -hmm. um, but you still remember some of that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember. I mean, he was an old, he was an old guy. He was in his 
what early 80s when we were with him late mm-hmm. 70s he would be out there taking care of the chickens i remember i got to interact with kind of like how would i how would i put it the um broody hens and stuff like that and the reproduction of them and how they would want to sit on their eggs i got to interact with kind of the life cycle of the chickens and stuff like that and and kind of like i was able to grasp kind of the idea of the growing season when stuff would get planted and, and sort of that cycle i mean i wouldn't consider myself an expert by any means in fact i'm actually kind of incompetent in that field but it was kind of an exposure to it i have at least a slight general knowledge to it you know mm-hmm. that's kind of what i got from that early from that earlier and i knew where my food was coming from even the even the frozen stuff we get in bags occasionally i would kind of, i would know what plant that was yeah catch my drift yeah yeah definitely i mean that's one of the things even though we we did and we still do buy um food at the store we don't buy as much frozen vegetables or canned vegetables anymore from the store as we did back in those days mm-hmm. but you certainly knew that the corn that came in a bag came off of a cob yeah and stuff like that and i mean it's especially when i went into public school and preschool i mean you had people that would live in we're, we're, we're in a rural area but there were even there were some people that live centrally in the village and you could tell them that chocolate milk came from brown cows and they would they would believe of course we were still kids and stuff but i mean <laughs> you have experience with this stuff and just general knowledge of where stuff comes from and that's definitely beneficial and you definitely have a leg up over I don't want to say the the suburbanites and and town people, even though a lot of them have become acquainted with it, but still, Mm -hmm. you know, have a leg up. Definitely an understanding of where that stuff comes from. So um, we moved up here when you were, I don't know, three or four, doesn't, doesn't really matter. And we didn't really do a whole heck of a lot here. We, we moved the chickens up here. Um, We were still doing a lot of the gardening down at Papa's and then, um, when we got the pigs in 2017 is really when I feel like we really kicked things into high gear up here. Definitely. And at that point you would have been what? 12, 13. I no, we got the pigs when I was like 14, 12 is when we started getting into ducks and that was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's gotten better now, but the first time around we did, it was, it was a living nightmare. I was not, I was not loving that, but. And, and the ducks, I mean, that was your, you got those through the fair mm-hmm. because you you had fallen into love with you had fallen in love with the chickens. I, I tell you what, before we get there, let's 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 go back to that um, because the chickens and, and so forth were still down at Papa's when you really fell in love with them. That mm-hmm. that's really where you when they were down at the coop down there. That's when you really developed an affinity for those chickens, right? Yeah, definitely. It was a I don't want to say a completely central part, but it definitely was. It played a role in my childhood and. I, I did, I was, as a kid, I did become attached to a few. I mean, I think naturally that happened as a kid, you know, but I, it was just kind of, you know, it reminded me of my childhood and it, it was, it was just something that fascinated me and intrigued me, you know, and to watch them, you know, grow up and stuff like that and how they would, you know, their, their feeding cycles, what they would do and stuff like that. I could be out there and watch them at the fence for hours, but yeah, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, some of my favorite pictures of you are when we, uh, initially built the coop up here and mm-hmm. in our chicken run there's actually a huge rock i have no idea how big it is it's a huge rock and one of my favorite pictures is you just sitting there uh just looking at the chickens mm-hmm. you know and you used to do that for for hours i was would... i was the chicken whisper yeah the chicken whisper they would all they would follow me around like dogs they would i i had them good yeah. and they loved me and i love them so yeah definitely 
Um, and, and, and obviously one of the, the stories I love to share is um, when I explained to you the whole idea of uh, the fact that we were going to process them for meat. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I've shared the story many, many times. I, I, it was, it was after you had first fallen in love with the chickens and I had made the appointment with, with Dan Shaw to have the chickens processed. And then I was like having second thoughts. That's back when you had Miss Backfeathers, Miss Plucky. I had I all think, of them names. All yeah, of them. Like the first crew. And they I were my girls. I pulled you aside and I was like, okay, buddy, on on Thursday, we're going to take these down over the hill. And then when I'm going to pick them up after work and they're going to be me. And you were like, okay. And I was like, uh, okay, did he get it? And then I'll, I'll never forget that night we went out to the coop and we were doing something. I don't remember what it was. And all of the hens were up on the roost and you turned and very dramatically, you said, I, I don't remember. You know, it's better than I do. Well, this is what you said. You said, you need to enjoy your last few days on earth. On Thursday, you're going to die. This is for real. This ain't the movies. And it was like, at that point, I knew that you understood kind of the circle of life mm-hmm. and that, you know, we had these animals they weren't pets. Mm-hmm. I mean, you love them and you've got a great affinity for them and you still do, but you yeah. also understood that they served a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, really, I mean, it was up until a couple of years ago with Sweet Pea. Um, that really was the first one I ever let you keep. Yeah, I got really attached to that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad she wasn't sly. I'm glad we auctioned her off and not that, but you know. She's probably in some stew pot now. It doesn't really bother me that much, but she had the she had a good personality. That was that one. That one was like following around like a dog. That was like a pet to me. But yeah, she was she was a nice she was a nice chicken, and she really did. She followed you around like a little dog. Oh yeah, and when we let her set and stuff, and her her chicks came out with just that same bubbly personality, and they were really warm and stuff like that. And I mean, I don't. I've never had. She was good. She was. I don't know if this counts for chicken. She was good breeding stock. She really was. And we have a tame rooster at the time at this moment. We've kept him a couple of years. I think we're going to keep him another year just because he's so, he's so tame. We had a period, we had violent roosters and stuff like that. And, and he's a beautiful, he's a handsome guy. Mm-hmm. We take him to the fair, he wins awards. So yeah. yeah. Frankie. Franklin. Yep. yep. Um, so, so you've grown up around the chickens. We got into the ducks and that, that the first time mm-hmm. around the ducks were, was a fiasco. Yeah. Uh, we didn't, we had never kept ducks before. We didn't keep them right. The the food and the poop and everything mixed up and yeah. it was, it, it stunk and we got rid of them. And then I was like, okay, I want to do this again. And we kept them a second time. And the second time around, I think it was better. It was better. Yeah. Um, It wasn't perfect, but it was definitely better. Oh yeah. I just don't think um, our property land is exactly optimal for them. Like no. Places. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And yeah. So, and then we got back out of the duck business again mm-hmm. and that, and it's all good. Yeah. I wouldn't um, mind going back, but just probably not right now with all what we got going on. We got a little circus going over our way. Yeah, exactly. So we've had the opportunity to do that. You've had the opportunity to do geese. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had the opportunity to do rabbits and you showed rabbits several years at the fair. All those little demons would scratch me. I still got scars from that. It yeah. was a mess. That wasn't your favorite thing. Well, I mean, having the rabbits, I liked having them, but taking them to the fair was just god awful because they were the most untamed thing. You have all these people with their pets and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna eat mine in like a year. Yeah, <laughs> all the other kids would be horrified. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, these little these girls carried the little pet buddies around. Oh, yeah, they brush them and stuff like that. I'm like, yep, <laughs> mine's for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so you definitely. 
Yeah, and you definitely had a different perspective on them. And not that it's wrong to have a pet rabbit. That's not what we're no. saying at all. But it was just that you understood um, why why we had them mm-hmm. really from a young age. And it really was a great opportunity that you had those because the several years that you showed them, um, I think the first year you showed them was when avian flu was coming through. Oh, yeah. And they didn't have any poultry at the fair. And so it gave you an opportunity to show an animal where you otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't have. So you've done rabbits. Um, you showed pigs the last several years. Um, and pigs aren't fully your jam. Are no, you... no, I'm not the biggest fan of them. <laughs> I mean, I can live with them, but, you know. Yeah, you like the bacon. Yeah, I uh, love the bacon. Good Lord, I love the bacon. Yeah. And the ham's good, too. Yeah. You're not a big fan of the pork chops because no. they're a little more fatty. You like more of a lean meat. Yeah, there's not a lot of meat on those. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, the lard's good for cooking and stuff like that. Good Lord, I love that. It makes very good pie crust. And it's won you awards. Yeah, it's won me an award. Yep. I, made a, I made a blueberry and coconut cream pie. And the, the, I always get compliments on the crust. It's, I swear, it's always the lard. The lard is what does it. Yeah. I remember the first time we took one, it was, I mean, it was a little pie, maybe a four inch pie or whatever. Yeah, I was like going to waste the whole one on the judges. And usually like they'll eat a little bit of a sliver mm-hmm. and then, then the rest of it, you know, cause I, I mean, they're tasting all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And when we went to look for your part of the pie that was left, there's only a little sliver left because the oh, judge, yeah. she just kept eating and eating. I was, I was worried she was going to inhale the whole plate. Yeah. Like, yeah. Plate and all. I was like, oh. Yeah. So Lord. definitely got compliments off of that. And we definitely attribute that to the lard. Um, so definitely you've had a lot of opportunities to experience uh, a variety of different animals. I don't think I've missed anything here on the farm. And through that, you've had the opportunity to have some great experiences where you've shown animals, um, you've fallen in love with animals, and you've also dealt with tragedy um, through through having the animals. And along with that, I think about the rats that got into sweet peas. Um, oh, yeah, that made me upset. I was not happy about that. Rats yeah. were worse. Yeah, we had a, a bit of a rat problem, and they ended up killing a number yeah, of her. Decapitating. Yeah, and that was that was pretty. That was disgusting. And I found one still twitching when I when I went out there. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, and then disgusting. obviously you you had to to deal with um, losing sweet pea, which mm-hmm. that was a sucky sucky day for all of us. I know mom felt really, really bad about yeah, it. It wasn't totally her fault because I wasn't completely clear. So that yeah. was a messy situation. That was partially my fault. But again, you, so it's it's been a situation where having those animals, you've you've dealt with with joys and you've dealt with sorrows. Um, and it's mm-hmm. kind of given you an opportunity to maybe process um, some some of those things uh, in in ways that other people might not have. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been, you've been involved in, in the gardening aspect. You've helped me plant gardens. You've helped me harvest. Uh, you've not really gotten involved too much in the preserving piece, right? You've not. You, no, I, I mean, I'd like to learn canning at some point, but just, I got too much stuff going on right now. I ain't got yeah. time for it, but yeah, I like to, I like to watch it happen. Though. Yeah. I haven't gotten big into that yet, but it's definitely on my bucket list when I get older, probably a hobby. And definitely when it comes time for us to uh, shut corn in the fall, you always help us do that. Yep. Um, when it's time for us to go pick berries, I and mean, we had a blast last year picking raspberries over uh, there at the Garden Works. Um, oh, yeah. That was a good time. <laughs> Brian, Jay, and I uh, kind of, we, we came up with our own version of a made-for-Hallmark TV movie. Oh, yeah. Out there in the berry patch. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So Bonnie didn't appreciate it too much, but we nah, were having. She loves that homework stuff. Yeah, it's all the same. I don't know how anyone can watch that. 
and it's the same same actors, same music, same everything. They just change the season and maybe slightly the location. Like, oh, good lord! How can I even love that stuff? I don't know. But but we had we had a, I mean I think our idea for a movie if somebody if you are a Hallmark producer reach out to us we have a great mm-hmm. idea for um a made for Hallmark movie yep. involving a berry patch Wait, don't tell them. we will accept a corporate job and we will give you the information if we do get a corporate job plus benefits and retirement and I want I want a Cadillac. <laughs> Okay, so definitely reach out. We have an awesome idea for a made for Hallmark. Scratch the Cadillac. I want a Lincoln. Sorry. He wants a 1953 Buick Chieftain. Okay. Buick Chieftain. No, 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 no. 1954 Pontiac Chieftain, Special Six. I don't know. Was, I... Oh, Pontiac Chieftain. My bad. Um, and he knows where there's one right now. So reach out to us quickly. Okay, so, well, that's a rabbit trail. By the way, if you're within a... a... Uh, ten, uh, near Albany, and you're selling a 1954 Pontiac Chieftain that is uh, around six grand. Location I will not specify. Uh, do make attempts to uh, contact. I'm highly motivated. I do have the money, and I am willing to override my parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So moving on. Moving on. Um, so you've you've been involved in in those kinds of things. So. What are in in your mind, in your words, I guess, what are the positives that you have drawn from growing up on a homestead? What are some of the things that if you were to come to my it was come to mind right now and say these are the positive things of growing up on a homestead, what would those be? Well, I think something important is definitely um uh, the point of responsibility. That's quite important. I mean, I think it builds a good work ethic obviously it's more than just homestand that builds a good work work ethic it also involves parenting stuff like that and experiences in public education stuff like that but um it it's a lot of the experiences you get here with with i don't want to say management i I guess that's what it would be kind of like basic stuff like that making sure you get stuff done and and that sort of thing and the responsibility and the routine tasks it builds up a, a good set for, for, for good work ethic that can help you in professions later, first jobs and stuff like that. So I think something else that's important is, is definitely experiences with disease. Like, I mean, there's people who don't have experience with this. that don't know what Jack Jilly squat about stuff like cooking. I mean, there's people that like, like they don't even know how to microwave stuff properly. I mean, on the homestead, you get experience with, maybe not exactly preserving, but the stuff that you grow and, and you butcher, you have experience with cooking that stuff and stuff like cross, uh, uh, salmonella, the spreading of, of different diseases amongst your animals and, and all that. stuff. you build immunity, really, you, you build a lot of immunity. I mean, stuff will go around my school and a lot of the, the, the town folks will, will get it more severe than the, than the, than the people who are on farms and stuff though. It's, it's really, really interesting. I think something else that's important is kind of, beneficial is kind of knowing where your food comes from you know kind of getting that idea but I, I won't ramble on for too long i know i've been incoherent and no one has learned anything from that but you can take it away now i guess i'll shut up no 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 it's good stuff so knowing where your food comes from do you think that knowing where your food comes from and being involved in the process of of raising it what what is what is the perspective it gives you on food well i mean it, it it gives me the perspective that a lot of people work hard for the food that you get the supermarket. I mean, it's easy to walk into your local price chopper market, 32 Hannaford shop and save, whatever it is, whatever you got in your local region 
um, to, and just to take for granted the stuff that's on the shelf. You can grab baked bread. You can grab frozen corn. You can grab a whole freaking chicken off the shelf and, and just go home and she's about ready for the oven, even stuff that's cooked. And you could take that for granted so easily in our highly advanced society. And when you're on a homestead, you kind of understand all the effort that goes into that and that a, a lot of people worked hard to get that to you. And it definitely helps you try to, you know, reduce the amount of waste that you have. And it also gives you perspective on like animals and stuff. I know there's a huge movement out there, like don't kill animals and stuff like they're, they're living things too. But when you have experience here, you understand that they died so that you can live, you know, that kind of whole perspective that is kind of necessary. And it's just, it's just a cycle in in the process of life. And we're all going to end up dead, maybe not on a dinner plate. I sure hope not, but we're all going to end up, you know, it's just the cycle of life and it's how it works. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. So uh, those are some of your, I guess we would say the positive aspects of homesteading, but certainly homesteading is not all a happy, happy, joy, joy. So from your perspective, um, what are some of the downsides to growing up on a homestead? Well, I mean, there's some stuff that can be a real pain in the neck. Like um, if you butcher your own animals, especially geese, geese are geese, geese are real pain. And you have to rip all the feathers out of your own bird. I mean, and, and the stench too of like, there's nothing worse than the smell of wet chicken feathers. It is just the most God awful thing. But I mean, once you're done, you, know, you have something that you can enjoy. But I mean, a lot of the process of butchering your own animals, I mean, you don't have to, you can take it someplace else. But then you have stuff like your animals. You know, I mean, I, we had a chicken coup a couple of days ago when the chickens broke out of our penitentiary and we've had, we've had our, our pigs mixed together and we've had unexpected litters. That's just irritating. We've, we've had, you've had times when your crops don't produce so good because of, of, of weather issues. And maybe perhaps you're having a drought or something. I don't know. That's a real pain. And um, also you have roots to your land that a lot of people don't have you can't go on vacations you can't just drop at the drop of a hat let's say you have a silk sick relative in a different state or something you can't just at the drop of the hat go out there and stay with them at the hospital for for days at a time you can't do that you're stuck you're stuck where you live you're not leaving and especially during the winter let's say you get a lot of snow you can't just hide in your house you're out there you're shoveling you're trying to get to stuff i mean you don't have that certain luxury that perhaps some other people have Mm-hmm. And for us, our drive was friggin' long. So, I mean, it's, it's a pain, but mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the benefits outweigh the, I don't want to say the cost, but th- definitely the, the hardships. And for some people it may not, and that's totally fine, but it just depends on where you live, what you're doing and how it works for you mm-hmm. and what your interests are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly, I I think you make great points there that not to say that you can't ever go on vacation because we do go on vacations, but it definitely does make it a lot more tricky. Mm -hmm. And we you're right. We just at the drop of a hat can't just ram off somewhere. Um, Our our comings and goings are and especially a lot of that has to do with the animals. But, you know, we have feeding times. We don't we're not milking anything. So we're not at you know that at that level of having to to um you can start that up when i'm off at college (laughs) (laughs) no but it it definitely it does impact what you can do when you can do it and it makes getting away uh, uh 
a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. That that's certainly for sure. Any any other from your perspective negatives? Are there things from your perspective that you know people should be aware of as they're starting to you know if, if they're thinking about homesteading, they've got kids. Um, are there are there any kind of words of wisdom you would have for them? Mistakes that we've made that they should avoid. Mistakes that we have made. Well, I mean, you're talking to one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I know I was playing, but um, let's see here. Mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. Um, when you go ahead and buy your property, you have to take in a lot of a lot of considerations. How far do you want to expand? We bought this acre house. What? what how many acres do we have? Two acres. Two, two acres. Um, for when when we bought it, my father, I'm sure you wanted the American dream, the house, the car, the garage, the family, the job. That's probably what you're looking for, right? I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I necessarily category categorize it like that, but I certainly when we bought this property, I certainly did not buy it with the idea that we were going to homestead and do the things that we ended mm-hmm. up doing here. That's exactly. for sure. So we didn't take into consider a lot of stuff that maybe a lot of other people should like, like for example, the 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 soil and, and stuff like rain patterns and stuff like that. Like our soil is 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 garbage. You go down, you put your shovel in second second shovel full, you're hitting rocks. So you want to look out for stuff like that. You want to look out for um perhaps wildlife stuff like that. Stuff that can get your if you got birds, stuff that can get your flock. I mean, I don't know if that's important or not. That may have been completely incoherent. I don't know. I just got here, but um. Mistakes we've made, uh, I mean, we really haven't made a lot of detrimental mistakes. I think it's more of an underestimation of what you're getting yourself into. A lot of people like to romanticize the idea of having a small farm. It's, if you don't do it right, it's it's a debt hole. That's exactly what it is. I mean, we don't, we were fortunate we haven't done it. It's been more of like a hobby for us, but people go in with a romantic, you know, romantic idea. Oh, I'm just going to have a farm. It's going to be beautiful. Everything's going to be perfect. It's a lot of hard work. A lot of people don't understand that you, you, you go out and you start a farm. Now you got, everything's going to smell like crap. <laughs> everything's going to smell like crap. The inside of your house, you got carpet. There's going to be shavings all over the inside of your house, no matter what you do. I mean, you can't focus on stuff. I mean, a lot of people like to make their house look pretty. You can't really focus on that too much because you got, you're up to your neck and stuff, but, and you're always busy during the winter. You're, you're kind of canning everything. You're preserving stuff during the spring. You're, you're, um, you're planting stuff during the summer. You're weeding most of the time. And then during the fall, you're butchering stuff, you're you're picking stuff, and you're getting ready for the canning process. It's just an endless cycle. And a lot of people don't understand there's not really a break from it. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it, that is true. It, there is definitely a lot. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot of work. And uh, do, do you feel like growing up on a homestead, do you feel like it's been beneficial to you overall? Do you think it's been detrimental to you overall? Um, do you wish you would have grown up differently in town or, or do you feel like it's benefited you in, in ways, um, that are positive? And this is, I'm asking for honest answers here now. Well, I think it's beneficial from the point of, I've had experience with kind of where food comes from. So I know kind of, I know about the cycle of life. I know about where food comes from. I've, I have a good immune system from this. And God, and I mean, I have two hobbies. I like, I like chickens and I'm looking to get into gardening a little bit, but I mean, 
as opposed to living in town, I mean, in town, there's a, a tight knit community there because everyone's living so close together. It's not like it's not cold like suburbia, but we, we're living out in a more rural area. There isn't that, you know, tight knit community feel that they have in town. I kind of wish I had something like that. I can't walk to the store. I can't be as independent as some people that live in town on. I have to drive everywhere. We have to, I'm kind of, kind of stuck here. And now we're down to two cars and I don't really have my own means of transportation. That's something I, I mean, I wish I could walk places, but I mean, it's kind of far away, but I mean, for the overall thing, just overall, I think it's been mostly beneficial. And I think it'll vary for different people. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to some of the supporting listeners and asked them if they had any questions for you. Oh boy. And so I've got, I don't know, four or five questions here. And so let's just go ahead and go through those as we kind of wrap Mm -hmm. things up. So first of all, could you give me your favorite and then your least favorite part or memory? Hmm. I think my favorite memory is when we were still living with my great grandfather. I think it's the times that my family has gotten together to do stuff like canning and shucking corn. A lot of great family discussions over that. That's personally my favorite memory. My least favorite memory was um, when one of our chickens had an egg that was too large to pass and her, her insides were, were, were coming out her rear. And that was kind of difficult to watch because as someone, I mean, I was still a kid, but I was responsible for me. I felt like I, it was something that I had done wrong, which on reflection, I, there was nothing I could do, but that was probably just gonna, it literally looked like a, a Smithfield sausage was hanging out her rear. I mean, her, it was, it was pretty gross, but. Yeah, um, she, had a, she had a pretty, pretty bad prolapse. It, it was bad. It was bad, but that's, that's probably the worst one. I mean, overall it's been beneficial. There's been nothing relatively horrific, but it's good. And I think you already answered this question as a kid. What does he feel like he is missing out on growing up on a homestead versus a city? No, I mean, I wish I had greater walkability. I mean, you have more independence as a kid in a city, but when you're on a homestead, a more rural area, you're away from crime I'd say we're in a very safe area and I'm not to say that cities are all dangerous. I mean, there's some pretty safe cities out there, but I mean, you're kind of away from a lot of more dangerous areas. You're away from more dangerous people. I mean, there's more drugs and stuff in that, like that in the city. You don't really have that. It doesn't, doesn't mean that someone could get into it out here, but um, I mean, I'm not, I don't like cities. I could never live in a city. I mean, I could live in like a smaller city, like Glens Falls or something like that, but I don't really feel like I've I've missed out on a certain level of independence, but I would have missed out on sort of the the knowledge of you know of what I've gained from being on homestead. I I would I wouldn't have wanted to grow up in the city. Maybe on the outer skirts of a suburb. Maybe I I don't know. But I'm happy with where I've grown up, and I wouldn't have it differently. And do you think that? And this is not a question that's in here, but um, definitely, do you think you might have a little bit of a different perspective on it had you had siblings? Do you feel like growing up as an only child on a homestead, maybe? Yeah, there's a certain sense of isolation, especially during like quarantine. So it was just me and the animals. And that's kind of like, I kind of lost my mind a little bit. But um, I definitely would have preferred to have siblings, but there's definitely benefits. I mean, I get I get all the attention. Christmas, I get all the gifts. You know, and I'm kind of the center of attention for my parents. But then again, I get all the flack when I screw up. But still, there's no one to blame it on. I can't I can't blame it on my hands. It's not Franklin's fault. But still, um, 
I think my view would have been a lot different. I think I would have had a, a greater sense of like family responsibility within it, a greater sense of probably competition. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Cause I, I would, I don't, I've never had a sibling. I don't know what it would be like. So back to the questions, as you've gotten older, have you encountered situations where you recognize that growing up in a homestead lifestyle has been of benefit to you? Oh yeah. Yeah, I have. Uh, especially, uh, again, preschool when, uh, some of the more rural kids were able to convince the town's ones that, uh, Chocolate milk comes from brown cows. There's a certain level of competency, especially you have knowledge that a lot of other people don't get until they start doing stuff like agricultural studies in, in high school, yeah. you know, and a lot of processes that happen here, like planting stuff. You can plant stuff. And there's some people in town that can't plant for squat. You know? Another, another favorite story. And I don't know if you remember this or not, um, but another favorite story that I've shared many times on this podcast um, was when we had first gotten the ducks and uh, you and mom were walking past the duck pen and one of the drakes mounted a hen and you turned and you said to mom really loudly, look, mom, he's trying to pregnantize her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and so I think there's certainly um, uh, the, 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 the birds and the bees, shall we say, is something that you have understood maybe in ways that other kids haven't understood simply as a result of going up around animals. You, you understand some of those things. I don't honestly, I don't think I did. You don't? <laughs> no, I don't think I learned the birds of bees from that. I mean, it made sense after about fifth grade when they started talking about kind of like introduction to your changing body. And it's like, Oh, wonderful. But I mean, it kind of, that's when all the kind of the ideas clicked, but I, that's when I got the idea of, of what kind of like I knew about reproduction. I didn't know like a lot about it. I didn't learn the birds and bees per se, but I I knew that they didn't come, you know, reproduction didn't come from where they where those those pelicans that bring babies and those where I don't even know what the stereotype the stork. Yeah, the stork. The stork. I, I knew that's not where they came from, but like yeah, I wasn't exactly the kid to ask where do babies come from, but I mean I, I didn't really have any questions about it. I didn't really learn it from here, but I see it a lot now. It all makes sense, but yeah. Now, do you ever feel angry or upset about being around death or processing animals? No, not really. I don't know how to explain it further, but I mean, I don't want to say after a while you get used to it. I don't want to say that, but you kind of give an understanding of it's just the cycle of life. You can't really change it. We're all going to end up in the kind of the same route dead, but I mean... I've never been really, I've been, I mean, I've been depressed. I mean, when we saw our first group of chickens, I was really attached to them. I was depressed for about two weeks and I got over it after that. But I mean, you don't really get angry over it. You kind of under, you kind of learn from it more than you do get resentment from it. Now we've never, we've never forced you to take part in it, right? We, that is correct. You've let me choose how involved I want to be. Do you think that was the right? Ch- definitely. Definitely. Because to be honest with you, if you force, I mean, every child is going to have a different interest in hobbies. I turned out to be really weird. And, but I mean, I don't really want to take on homesteading when I'm older. And so far, you, they, my parents have respected that. And that's prevent, prevented me from getting resentful. Because there's a lot of people out there who will try to, I want to say groom their kids, because I've been told that's not a good, good term, but have tried to, you know, nurture their kids in it. And they, they go out and they say, look, when I'm done, this this is going to be yours. You have to take it on. 
and a, and a lot of people don't want it. Maybe they want to become a doctor. Maybe they want to, you know, move to move to the city. I don't, I don't know what everyone has their own idea of what they want to do. And maybe they want to pursue something that requires them to travel and they can't be tied down to land like some other people can. And it's, you don't want to force people into it. You want to let them take on as much. I mean, obviously when they're kids, you want to teach them responsibility. They're obviously going to complain and whine. Oh, I don't want to do the chickens or, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But you, especially when they get older and they start deciding what they want to do with their life, forcing them to be a part of it. You can encourage them, but you don't want to force them because it's an important time when they figure out what they want to do. And you want their memories of it to be good and beneficial and not resentful. And so you, you feel like we've, we've, done well in that regard definitely the next question is do you plan to homestead as an adult i think you've kind of answered that oh i'll go into it deeper um no uh i mean depending on where i live i'd like to have chickens as a hobby i do want to get into gardening and stuff not not only just you know playing a vegetable garden i also want to do start doing landscaping but i don't have any intention of doing homesteading. I don't have any intention of doing uh, or owning a farm. That's that's not within my interest. I I'm looking at either in a field of ministry or in a field of business. I want my little. I want my mid fifty suburban house. I want a Buick in the driveway. I'm going to be that nut in the neighborhood who's obsessive about his lawn. And it's just my interests are completely different. I want to you know. I want to say I want to my hobbies are, are very different from what we're doing here. You know, I, I like doing stuff like golf. I mean, that's, if I were to do homesteading, I wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have time to do that frequently. I want to, you know, I want to travel. I want to, I just want, I want to say enjoy life because some people enjoy life by homesteading, but that's just not my idea of, I want to pursue the American dream. That's what it is. That's, that's what I'm looking at. Maybe I'm a little warped. I don't know. COVID's messed with my head. I think I've lost a few brain cells, but still it, homesteading really isn't my thing. I, I don't know. Again, it's probably it may change. I may grow up and I may get through college and decide that I, homesteading is something I want to do. It's just right now I'm I'm not looking at that as an option right now. And then the last question is: Has growing up on a homestead influenced your career choice at all? <laughs> nope, <laughs> not really. I mean, for some people it may, um, but for me it really really hasn't. My interests in terms of what I want to do professionally are are not derived from what we do on the homestead at all mm-hmm. so i guess to wrap this all up um and i don't want to put words in your mouth but you would say overall growing up on a homestead has been a positive thing for you no yeah, regrets for yeah no you're regrets. happy with 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 uh the situation overall Mostly, yep. probably wish you had different parents at least a different father at times yes <laughs> <laughs> no, i kid you've been you've been pretty good so far so uh, far so far so far uh Except when I was singing at the restaurant tonight. That was horrifying. I want to crawl under the table. <laughs> I wasn't that I bad. I can't take you anywhere. I can't. I, I was singing karaoke. I don't know what that was. It sounded like someone ran over a goose in the parking lot. <laughs> and actually, there was no karaoke going on. I was just singing with the music in the restaurant. But I they thought I sounded the place awesome. out. No, it wasn't that bad. Please, I would have yelled fire and they would have moved out that quick. <laughs> so any other words of wisdom that you would like to share with everybody um, before, before we wrap this up? I don't really have. I mean, I think I've said everything that comes to mind. I mean, if you're interested in doing it, assess what, if you're interested in homesteading, there we are, or farming, assess what 
your hobbies and goals are because you're going to have to let go of a lot of stuff. Your life is going to change completely. And you have to assess how far you want to go because you can get in so far and you can't, and you're not going to be able to get out as quickly as you got in. That those, those are my words of wisdom. Just, just think about it. It's not as romantic as you think. It's a lot of work. And um, it's just, you, you're, you're going to be focused on it. It becomes your main point of focus. That's what it is. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me once again on the podcast. Always great to chat with you. And um, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me, Brian at the homesteadjourney.net. If there are some things that you would like me to ask Brian, I certainly am willing to do that. Maybe bring him back for a small segment or at least get him to give me some answers that I can share with you. So if there are some questions that maybe you wished I would have asked, let me know that, Brian at the homesteadjourney.net. I would be glad to pass that on. That's it for this episode, and that's it for this mini series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.